Hey, this is Joe Castiglione, and you're listening to Not Another Sox Podcast with Matt Caval, Matt LeBeau, and Jack Webster. Can you believe it? I just came to say goodbye. I'm in the corner watching you kiss her. Noches, amigos, and welcome to episode 25 of Not Another Socks Podcast. I am Jack Webster here with Matt Galveo and Matt LeBeau, as always. Fellas, not the best week, but uh, we're still going at it. Yeah, man. You know, it's um, it was pretty uh, pretty tough uh, week here to be a Sox fan, especially this weekend. Um, you know, uh, dropping two or three uh, from the Rays, but um you know, what are you going to do, man? You know, new week uh, coming up, a big series, um, you know, against the Blue Jays. And we got the Orioles later on in the week, uh, I think. So, um, yeah, tough, uh, tough week for sure. But, um, you know, early, early season struggles. Uh, hopefully we shake those off pretty soon. <laughs> the House of Pain, Tropicana Field. Just something always fucking ridiculous happens in Tropicana Field. And it is just a nightmare place for the Red Sox to play. And they have to play there so many times over the next whatever. And with Wander Franco just absolutely punishing us in every orifice that exists. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be shitty for a long time playing in the trop, and something always ridiculous happens there, and we saw it pretty much all series that that's how it was. So Yeah. So one just completely random thing I want to hate on the trop for that does not get enough hate is obviously, you know, they have the rings, they have the weird kind of cutouts in the outfield or whatever. But I hate that they don't have real bullpens, that they have to have them on the side. Like the stadium is 25 years old. That's the entire age of the entire franchise. Yet somehow the the Cubs are able to figure out the Red Sox able to figure it out. Uh, but they somehow still haven't been able to. Yeah, there's there's really literally zero excuse for not having bullpens at this point. Yeah, not not. Yeah, just move move the outfield. Like it's not like there's any fans out there, anyways. Yes, I, I feel like they should just have the bullpens like in the same. Um, uh, in the tanks where the where the, the rays tanks. are, <laughs> they should just have the bullpen in there. Pit, bull, throw bullpen, uh, you know, uh, warm up in the in the tank with the rays. You know, um, you know, add an extra little spice. You know, Jack likes to add a little spice to the show sometimes. Add a little spice to the drop. Uh, maybe make yep. the road team, uh, um, you know, uh, warm up in 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 the ray tank. So I think that's something they should do to to spice things up at the drop. Maybe maybe get more crowd. Maybe people would probably want to go there. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of uh, trying to eliminate tanks as much as possible, how is Travis Shaw still on the Boston Red Sox? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Christ. my dude froze. He hasn't moved for 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I've, I don't think I've seen somebody who's not been able to play baseball like as much as me. Like I feel like I'm out there whenever I see Travis Shaw, even though I'm Christian. I think, I, think, I think you pretty much are. No, uh, it, dude. That's the thing. Like it, it's like it's fine. He has a roster spot, whatever. 
Like, I do. I like Travis Shaw as a guy. One thing that fucking bugged the shit out of me, though, was he tried to bunt for a base hit. The man is in worse shape than me. Dude, and he's trying I was to say, bunt for a base hit. Am I the only one that saw this? Because I feel like he's gotten a lot thicker since the last time he's been in Boston. Oh, no, he's like, a when thick he went boy. To- when he went to Milwaukee, I feel like he just must have just crushed Miller Lights and just added on a few <laughs> LBs because this guy, he came back to Boston, what was it, uh, uh, last season, and uh, I was like, damn, that boy is thick, man. Let no, me tell he's you. He's a thick, thick boy, and he's yeah. he's like laying one down, and it was a good, it was a good bunt. It was a, it was a good bunt, and I'm like, but it doesn't matter how good the bunt is because no matter how good it is, you're not beating it out. He's pushing like he's got to be pushing like two sixty. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know how the Brewers were playing him at second base. It literally would have just like looked like a guy out of the stands that they were like, ah, yeah, like you know, this is an emergency situation <laughs> where we're yeah. sign you to one day uh, paid uh, training to whatever, <laughs> and like just go out there, do your best, have some fun. That's kind of how I feel like Travis Shaw was on the Brewers and. You know, it's kind of living like maybe a make a wish type of situation. Yeah, for the it was Sox. it was actually it was it was drunk Bob Euchre, which is actually just Bob Euchre. And he just picked him out of the crowd. And he was like, you, you, you're playing second. And that was that's how Travis Shaw actually got the job. <laughs> we can we can confirm that from a source. I think that's how, like, most people get their jobs nowadays. Yes. That's how all Gen Z gets their jobs, actually. Yeah. They just get noticed on TikTok, and then all of a sudden, you know, they make more money than, like, uh, an actual stable career. Um, Yeah, someone high on substances or drunk picks them out of a crowd of people and gives them a million dollars. Travis Shaw and Gen Z handshake emoji. (laughs) Yeah, if you have not seen the handshake emoji, just look on our Twitter page every third post. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Yep. That's a good verbal meme by Matt LeBeau, too. Yep. Verbal meme. Yeah, we need to have more verbal memes. We need to actually just start pretending that real life is now the internet. Right. <laughs> Jack has been doing that since 2016, so he's yeah. very well. Yeah, I have been doing well. that since yeah. 1993. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, man but uh yeah we got some uh we got some baseball uh to talk about here do you guys want to start with the uh that j series not really yeah yeah yeah, yeah. do do we really <laughs> want to like no. yeah i mean i guess we should we were a red sox podcast so like the red sox were playing but do we really want to talk about it yeah that sucked that sucked dicks. I guess the yeah. worst thing about it, I mean, we should just, I guess, start off with it now was uh, the uh, the Jerry Remy um, ceremony and how Don Arcillo's video was uh, somehow excluded from that. And um, and then they didn't include that in, in the ceremony for Jerry Remy, which is mind boggling. But also it's almost not surprising from the Red Sox and Nesson. Um, at this point, I mean, you really don't almost, you, you really expect, uh, almost nothing less, um, from them here. Yeah. Um, I, there was a lot of thoughts about this one 
and uh, we were actually going to do a whole show on this one. So if you were waiting for that show, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, we are sorry because we have like jobs, you know, yeah. and um, we, so we didn't do that, but there are enough thoughts and enough emotions and enough, you know, um, things to say about this to make a whole show about it. In short, the Red Sox did not only Don Arcillo wrong, not only Jerry Remy wrong, but also entire, you know, Red Sox nation. And it, it wouldn't have been too difficult to have Don do a personalized video in in some fashion and, and get it in there. You 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 do that because you don't have Jerry Remy and his career, his stature without Don Orsillo. You just don't. And it really was, and I've cooled down since then, since the you initial. You were hot. Reaction. You were hot that night. Yeah, yeah, I was hot. I was hot, and I still, I still feel very, very upset about it. But I'm not as like, like there was so much anger. It was like, it was like your blood boiled at that time when you found out yeah. about it. Um, but now it's not. It's not as boiling. It's more of just like, is this how the organization is going to be run? Like, is this how the things are going to work? Because it's disappointing. We we pump a lot of energy, time, money, things into this organization. And, you know, we, we want to see better from the Red Sox. I, I think the thing that bothered me the most is, you know, Jerry was watching being like, hey, where was Don? Like Don was probably the closest out of any of the announcers that he's been with in his over 30 years with the Red Sox now. You know, honestly, it, it was still a very good ceremony. I mean, you had all the sideline reporters there. Uh, you had, you know, a lot of people that worked with him throughout the years and everything. Former but teammates, that Don Orsillo admission was, you know, very loud in its silence in a type of way where everybody was kind of at least expecting a little something. And uh, it was kind of it un like one last puzzle piece in that ceremony that would have just made it absolutely perfect. And it's a shame that, you know, it yeah. uh, didn't end up happening like that. Yeah. I mean, and there, that, that's a big, that's a big hole. Um, I mean, we don't have a guy like Don Orsillo. Um, you know, and I, I don't like everybody must have seen, you know, he did tweet later on that night that, um, you know, he had the Red Sox had offered to, um, you know, have him, you know, do a video, uh, record a video because obviously he wasn't going to be able to be there because, you know, he's got the job with the Padres. Um, and then he was supposed to submit a video to the Red Sox, which he did. And then they, I guess, said that, um, you know, they weren't able to uh, to include the video in the ceremony, which yeah. was very disappointing. Um, yeah. And uh, let me go ahead and read off the actual Don Arcillo yeah. tweet and what he's going to say. So this was posted the night uh, right after the ceremony. I was offered the opportunity to do a video message for my friend and former partner, Jerry Remy, for tonight's ceremony at Fenway Park. Sadly, I was notified by the Red Sox slash Nesson that my video would no longer be needed for tonight's ceremony. Here is my message at Red Sox at Nesson. Uh, Jerry, uh, the Boston Don Orsillo working tonight in San Diego. Um, I would like to say thank you for the Red Sox to, uh, for the, I would like to say thank you to the Red Sox for the opportunity to talk about my friend, Jerry. I miss you every day. I miss your friendship, your daily text, but mostly your laugh. 
without you, Rem, I am no longer a, I am no longer in the major leagues today. Uh, we worked together for 15 years, and for the last 13 years, you battled. I never thought uh, you would lose uh, the strongest person I have ever known. Uh, thank you to the Fenway faithful and Red Sox nation. I promise you, Jerry knew how much you loved him, and uh, it kept him fighting until the very end. Uh, I would like to thank the Red Sox uh, players for wearing the uh, Remy 2 patch uh, this year. It is so very worthy. To Phoebe and the Remy family, I love you all and share your great pain. Uh, Jerry, thank you is not enough for everything that you have done for me in my life or my career. I love you, Rem. So very, you know, sweet message from uh, Don Orsillo that I think really would have resonated at Fenway Park if it was played and on TV across the nation as well. Absolutely. And, and, and honestly, it, it, that is 100% from the heart. And that is exactly what, like, the ceremony was great. And I don't want to take away from that because they found a lot of Remy's past colleagues and... I, I really feel bad for Sean McDonough because he actually worked with Remy for a very, very long time. And his words were fantastic. He even choked up at the end. And it was great. I, I love Sean McDonough. I think he's a fantastic announcer. I think he's a really funny guy, really good guy. Um, and, like, I feel like he got kind of the raw end of the sick because everyone only remembered the fact that Don was not included. But at the end of the day, that is what mattered so much to Jerry Remy. I mean, they were like they became brothers in a sense that like and Sean McDonough said it in his in his his his, his speech, like the the relationship that you had with Jerry Remy was real. It was real. It wasn't like it wasn't just some guy you tuned into every summer night. It was a real relationship. And same thing with Don and Jerry. Like that was a real relationship that we saw unfolding, a real friendship that we saw develop. That turned into them, like, you know, being best friends and like brothers, practically. Um, so the Red Sox failed to understand that and incorporate Don Orsillo into the, the ceremony in any way they could. You had to put him in any way possible, any means necessary. You had to do it, and they failed miserably. And I think even worse after that was a lot of the Red Sox personnel how they reacted to Donarcello not being there, almost acting like they were the ones that were victimized by Donarcello not flying six hours each way uh, while he's in the middle of his own career in San Diego. Uh, just And, you know, for them to not even, you know, make the attempt to include him after the fact and to kind of drag him under the mud even still after seven years after wrongfully firing him, it just feels very Ness, and it feels very Red Sox. It does, yeah. And and sorry, man, not not to jump oh, in. Oh no, I'm, no, yeah. you're good. But one one thing that I like, so a, a couple people said this on Twitter, and I could not agree more. All it really is, all it boils down to, is Nesson understands that they made a mistake by getting rid of Don Arcillo, and the fans just constantly pepper them with like just tweets and and messages. And just a barrage of, of sentiment saying that, like, Orsillo is obviously the preferred choice over Dave O'Brien. And they know that. And they just want him, in my opinion, to just, like, go away. Like, they yeah. just want Red Sox fans to just stop talking about Don Orsillo because they made a grave mistake. Ratings were down. 
after 2015. That's because yeah. you felt feel the dog yeah. shit team. The what? Worst team, the worst two years, back to back years in Red Sox history, maybe almost, or at least recent Red Sox history, 14 and 15, and then oh, well, ratings are down. Yeah, I mean, well. <laughs> Like Joe Kelly's your number two fucking starter. Like, what do you mean ratings are down? Do you think it's because of the uh, the play by play announcer? No, like it's it's your team. Look look at your team, and they made a mistake, and they want them to just go away, and they can't acknowledge that. Yeah, Nesson sucks, man. Nesson sucks. Um, I mean, you said it perfectly, LeBeau. They they know they made a mistake, and you know they they do want them to go away. They want people to stop talking about them. They got their new guy and. And Dave O'Brien, and they they want to you know push him more, and um, yeah, I mean it, it it's just it, it kind of it was just so greasy, like just the way it went down, and yeah. it was just like it just left a bad taste in your mouth. I mean, when I when I saw the tweet, um, I mean, I think like a lot of people when you saw the tweet from Don Arcillo um, that said that he had the video recorded, and then at the last minute, the Red Sox just said, um, no, we don't need it anymore. I mean, it just kind of left a bad taste in your mouth, and you you kind of looked at that like, really, like, yeah. you know, th- this is how it this is how it goes down on like you know such a special night, right? And, and real real quick, I, again, not to, not to interrupt, Jack, because I, I I know you have something to say, but like, it's fine to say like, hey, we're not having videos as part of the ceremony. It's fine to say that to literally any other one of Jeremy's colleagues in the history of his Nesson career, but not Don Orsillo. If he can't make it, then you make an exception and say, okay, we're not doing any video tributes, but we're going to do Don's because that was the, like that was his, that was his most important colleague in his career. So it just so many issues. No, I mean, I don't understand, you know, how something like that can slip through the rocks through so many different levels. I mean, it it was intended at the end of the day. And then you see Pam Ken on Twitter that night, a senior Red Sox VP, as she will make it known, uh, basically saying, you know, there's two sides to every story and really even just trying to throw Don Orsillo under the yeah. bus even more. So, you know, she had some PR team in her emails and uh, in her text messages the next morning being like, hey, you have to put out this statement, which uh, we're not even going to bother to read because no. it's a whole bunch of hot garbage. But she continued to, you know, essentially take no blame for any of the stuff that went down. And it just really, I think, left a lot of sour taste in a lot of people's mouths because of how much Don Arcillo was loved and uh, one other thing I want to point out is also how much Don Arcillo fucking hates Nesson. He doesn't Dude, hate the Red Sox. He hates it. Nesson. I love And whenever it. I like there's a tweet shitting on Dave O'Brien <laughs> or <laughs> Nesson or anything else, he's gonna like it, and he knows that like yeah. he's a lot of people's top uh, you know interactions on Twitter. So it's gonna show up as Don Arcillo like this tweet. Of like fuck Dave O'Brien, why yeah. did Nesson ever let you go? And it is funny every single time. And I mean, when we had that episode about Don Orsello, he literally tagged Nesson in, in, in the Red Sox <laughs> as well. So you know, like they see it every time. They can't possibly ignore any of that. So I yeah. love that. Like he has no like 
boundaries in terms of how yeah. much he wants to annoy them. I mean, and and rightfully so. I mean, dude, he got fired for really no reason at all. I mean, he he was the guy. He was the voice of the Red Sox. Um, and one thing I will say just about Dave O'Brien, I know obviously we don't like him as as the play-by-play guy. I don't think he's a bad guy. Um, I it, I do feel a little bit bad for him in the fact that he was the next guy up after Don Arcillo. Um, obviously, shoes that really no one right. can fill. I mean, no one can fill Don Arcillo's shoes. He was just the next guy that stepped up, and he – I mean, it could have been anybody. It, it could have been anybody right. that – that stepped up would have gotten shit on because it's not Don Orsillo. Um, so in, in that aspect, I do feel bad for Dave O'Brien because he was just kind of caught in the crossfire between, you know, Nesson and, and Don Orsillo. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, just obviously a, a, a huge mistake by Nesson and then a huge mistake by the Red Sox for not including Don Orsillo. And it's just like, like you guys have mentioned, we've said it just a bad look. Right. And, and it's it's like the barrage of the I call them the, like the Red Sox bots that are just like in place just to like just defend the organization no matter what they do. And it was like you heard Sam Kennedy on WEI Greg Hill show being like, oh, like we, you know, Donnie O, he was our first call. It's like, dude, stop like with the Donnie O. <laughs> Donnie O. And, like, yes. and then Will Fleming like said something on um, on like the pregame show. And he was he, he mentioned like because. Because uh, Mike Manansky actually like threw him a pretty good question and was like, "Hey, like, you know, how do you feel about this whole situation? Like, wh- what, how, who dropped the ball?" And and Will Fleming was like, "Well, Don Orsolo should have been there." And then like, and then he he tweeted, he was like, just to like, you know, whatever, like try to combat the mob. He's like, you know, we love Donnie and like whatever, like just stop with the Donnie bullshit. Like, we get it. Yeah. You guys are for one, everyone there is jealous of how much success Orsolo had, how much the fans loved him and and one thing that is 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 bothering me a lot is like right we're fans and we now have a bigger voice than we've ever had with platforms like this with guys like you know jared carabas steve peralt who broke through into um respectable media within the red sox like actually having a relationship with the organization and being able to like be the the voice of the fans um, very disappointing. Steve Peral, right? Someone who had a very successful Red Sox podcast has a very successful Red Sox podcast is in with, within the organization and nothing, nothing yeah. like you can't be both. You can't say, Oh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the fan that broke through. And, you know, I, 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 I am not like the classic media guy that, you know, went to school and got a communications degree. And I'm not like, you know, another another journalism robot. Like I broke through. I'm like the cool guy fan. I represent the fans. And then not say anything yeah. about the Don Orsillo situation. Like nothing. Silence on Twitter. Carabas said, you know, he had a couple of tweets. He mentioned it on the show, but Peralt, nothing. Which yeah. is very, very disappointing. And they deserve criticism of their own because they yeah. represent us. They represent the fans. Right. Very, very disappointing. No, and I mean, like, we uh, are all big fans of Section 10 and, you know, the media personality on there. But, I mean, they are tied in with the Red Sox now. They know that, like, if they shit on them too much for something like that, you know, it can all go away at the snap of the finger. So, they, I know they have, like, a fine line to tread. 
along with, you know, a lot of other media personnel that are in that Red Sox clubhouse day in and day out. But to not, you know, do your job and not actually kind of say what how the majority of Red Sox nation is feeling is disappointing. And, you know, it's we saw that for so many years from those two guys in particular. And, you know, we still see it from them a lot. But I, I wish it was a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, they said Blake Swihart died, and like they they can't say like <laughs> that. They can't like criticize yeah. the Red Sox. Like I know you don't want to lose like your status with the organization. Like I know you worked hard to get to that point, and, and they respect you. And like Sam Kennedy and the marketing department, Colin Birch, like they respect you and they work with you. And I think that's awesome. And I, you know, am very, very, very like envious of of that position that they've got to. But you also have to be the voice of the fans. You have to remember that that is your responsibility. You you have a higher responsibility to represent us. Right. The the I don't, don't want to say little guy because we're we're not really an, even an, an, an entity at all. We're just fans. Like we're we're just as important, but you know not as in, in high up. Right. So you have a responsibility. You know it's it's bigger than you and bigger than your your relationship with, with Sam Kennedy and the Red Sox robots that claim that Don Orsillo was their first call. Well, I'm sure he was. Obviously, he was probably your first call because guess what? He was the most important colleague that Jerry Remy ever had in right. the history of his working career, more important than anyone he ever played baseball with. Jerry Remy and Don Orsillo is one of the most notorious tandems in sports, let alone sports broadcasting, let alone New England sports broadcasting just something that was a major miss by the red sox and again it's it's like is this how the organization is going to be run you know it's sad yeah i mean you really hope not you hope this is uh obviously a uh a lesson learned to the red sox going forward um you know for you know for different ceremonies or, or different things that you know come up um, from now on, you know, at least with this ownership and, and you know, the, the people running the, the team now, you hope they they learn from this going forward because it, it's definitely a, uh, you know, a, a black eye on the organization right now because, um, you know, obviously a lot of Red Sox fans, well, every Red Sox fan really was was pissed from this. And um, it's a it, this is a tough lesson to learn, but I you, you, as a Red Sox fan, you just got to hope that they they learn from this going forward and and, and something like this doesn't happen again because like i said man this is a this is definitely a black eye and it, it was such a great ceremony that would have been even better if you just included the video the fans would have loved it jerry remy would have loved it most importantly and yeah. it, it's just it, it was you know a completely a complete missed opportunity from them yeah and you know you hate and, to see it i mean podcasts like this podcasts like section 10 um any any type of really Red Sox sports media or, I mean, just rather regular media or um, any type of Red Sox-related entertainment would not be possible today without Don Orsillo. Like, that was – like, he, he was such an inspiration to literally everyone that does this, like this, what we're doing right now. We were all inspired by Don and his personality, and he wasn't afraid to show his personality – and to be disrespected like that is um, is a tough pill to swallow. If you're Don, if you're, you know, Jerry Remy's family, if you're a fan, anyone, it's brutal. 
I feel like the Red Sox essentially just need to have a Don Orsillo day at Fenway Park to bury the hatchet, just kind of get the bad blood out there, apologize, honestly, more than anything else, and, you know, just kind of have stop this drama between it. Yeah. I mean, they're the only people that are going to be able to actually resolve this, and they're showing no signs of actually doing it. So it's just going to be, you know, shitty until then. Obviously, you know, we've talked about it. <laughs> extensively not only on this show but a lot of other shows we've literally yeah. like i said before yeah. had an entire episode dedicated to this point but you know it's just going to be a recurring thing uh and, you know Nesson essentially deserves to hear that ha- how badly they fucked up on this so i really don't feel bad for you know the shit storm that came to them right because of it. I, I think that's a good idea. Like, uh, essentially, like, I think Nesson needs, like, a Don Orsillo exorcism. Like, if you want to get rid of the guy, if you want to truly get rid of the guy, embrace the guy. Like, bring him right. in, put him on the mound, have him throw out the first pitch, and then have, say, this is Don Orsillo day, and then, like, play a bunch of his fucking calls and have him, you know, whatever, be, like, a guest on Nesson, right? Like, he doesn't, he's not going to call yeah. a game. He's just going to, like, sit in for an inning. Right. And they're just going to talk and then embrace the guy. And then literally like everyone will be like, OK, you respect him. We can stop being so annoying about this. And then you can hire Mike Monaco as the play by play guy. And that, yeah, I will I will forgive the Boston Red Sox if they do those two things. Mike Monaco and Don Orsillo Day at Fenway Park and all of this will be completely forgotten about. That's it. Have you uh, have you eaten in the last couple of days at all? I have all? not eaten. I'm fucking He's on a starving. hunger strike. I'm on a Mike Zero Monaco cats. hunger strike. He really is so good, though. He's so enjoyable to listen to, and he's the future. Him and Euclid could be like like a, a, a duo for the next like 25 years. Some like someone like two guys that like our kids could listen to. Like think about that. That's crazy. I, I hope uh, Eck is still in the mix. I really do like hearing yeah, Eck, and I feel like he too. hasn't really been around this lot this season. And I think, you know, I don't really blame him. He's, you know, done everything that he needs to. I think, you know, uh, whenever he is on the booth, I think he adds a lot. But I think, you know, Monaco, Uke, and uh, Dennis Eckersley would pretty much be, you know, the ideal booth moving forward. You know, obviously it's not going to be that every single night. But um, I think they are kind of, you know, Letting Monaco take the reins a little bit more once Dave O'Brien moves on for whatever reason, um, I think it is going to be Monaco, and I think Monaco wants the job. Uh, how could you not? Right, it's one of the got to be the most coveted, or one of the most coveted jobs in you know play by play or in announcer, the announcer realm. I mean, it's tough to beat being the Red Sox play by play announcer on yeah. television. You know. No, exactly. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> do we even want to talk about the rest of that Blue no, Jays fuck series? No. Like, fuck yeah, like we won fuck the first baseball. game, we lost the next two. Like, especially it was a bunch of bullshit on Don Orsillo night. Like, just absolute no shows. So, like, I I feel like we just can kind of yeah. move on to the race. Series. Honestly, Nobody wants to know about that Blue Jay series. The, the big thing about the Blue Jay series was literally the Don Orsillo thing, and then that was like. Uh, that was a big thing for sure. But yeah. um, the race series this weekend was uh, very eventful. Like, uh, you know, we mentioned at the top of the show, um, LeBeau mentioned, you know, strange shit always happens at the Trop. 
And uh, there was no shortage of that this weekend for sure. The house of fucking pain. It's just unbelievable. It never ends. It never ends. It never ends. I, Dude, I remember last year, this was like one of the first times, uh, like my, my girlfriend's mom, she's like, she's a big sports fan. I remember sitting in their living room. It's like one of the first games I watched with them. And I was just like, watch something ridiculous is going to happen. Like Nick Pavetta was pitching a gem. He's pitching an absolute gem. And I was like, just watch something ridiculous is going to happen. I've just, I've seen this movie a million times. And sure enough, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I, I'm pretty sure they lost on like a pass ball <laughs> yeah. that game. I, does anyone remember that game? Nick Pavetta. Yeah, I think it was 0-0 with Matt Barnes on the mound. Matt Barnes was on the mound. Yes. Nick Pavetta pitched his balls off and it was 0-0. And I was like, just watch. Something ridiculous is going to happen. I've seen this movie a million times. She was like, wow, how did you know? I was like, what do you mean, how did I know? <laughs> Have you seen the Red Sox play a job in a field? They get fucked every time by something ridiculous. Oh, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> it, and even that first game in the series, I mean, you know, he scored early. It was 4-1. The race started inching closer and closer. And it really kind of felt like, you know, the wheels were going to fall off at the end there. And, I mean, um, they ended up, you know, being able to hold on to that 4-3 win. But even then, it didn't feel like, you know, the most confident win uh, that you're going to have this season. Yeah. I feel bad for Robles and Whitlock. Because Robles, like, I know he gave up the Kiermaier bomb. But, like, he, it was one mistake. And... I mean, he he pitched well. Like he he's he's been pitching really really well. So, I mean that that sucked. Um, obviously, Garrett Whitlock deserved better. I mean, that's just obvious. He's gonna he pitch. He, he's <clears throat> he's gonna deserve to be in the rotation at some point after that performance. Yeah, I mean, he has to be. He has to be at at some point down the line. I don't know if it's gonna be now. Is the time. But I mean, you know, I, mean, I guess four, you... four scoreless. I mean, God. Yeah. What well, I mean, who, who would you kick? Who would you kick out at this point? It, I mean, it, it can't. It'd be either Rich Hill or Nick Pavetta. Those are the only two options. You cannot well, kick know, out Michael me, Walker. Me, I know, Jack, we were talking, you know, at work this weekend. And, you know, Jack mentioned, too, that, uh, you know, maybe Nick Pavetta at some point might have to just go to the pen. And I mean, if he yeah. keeps struggling like this, if you're not getting the best of Nick Pavetta, or if you're not getting at least a little bit of what you saw in October last year, I'm not saying he has to be lights out every time he's on the mound, but at least give you something to work with. Right. Um, which he really hasn't done, you know, through three starts this year. Um, you know, maybe you look at him. I mean, he, he right now, I mean, he, I mean, he, it might end up being Pavetta. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's either him or Hill and Hill pitched well today. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I think you, he earned a couple more, chances at least but i mean you cannot michael walker going into the season would have been the easy choice but he has been like one of the best pitchers in the american league so far right so yeah i mean you just, no I'm, i i've been very pleasantly surprised by michael walker i didn't really ex i kind of expected him to be the garrett richards of 2022 but he has not been that he's uh been very dependable for us uh, but right now, I kind of feel like with our rotation, we have three, four guys that are limited at 80 pitches or even below that with Hill, Waka, Hauk, and even more so for Garrett Whitlock. So 
uh, it's kind of, you know, find it it, when you start eliminating that, like starting pitcher going into the fifth or sixth inning and you really have to extend that bullpen. I think that really kind of does hurt us. So I think we kind of need somebody to come back or step forward to be more of that hundred pitch plus type of pitcher. That's really going to kind of grind it out for us this season. So, um, you know, where that comes from, we'll kind of see. But uh, right now I feel like, you know, that is hurting us. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing you, you really only have like one or two guys that, yeah, you you feel could throw a hundred pitches like Yvaldi obviously is one, and then I I mean Pavetta is two I guess I mean you could make a case for Waka, um, but other than that everyone's like like out by the fourth fifth you know maybe the sixth inning but dude Rich Hill Tanner Houck Garrett Whitlock like none of these guys are pitching into the seventh inning. Like, this is not yeah. going to happen. Like, the six is, like, long for them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're going to – and, like you know, like you said, you're going to need guys to go a little bit longer for sure going forward. I mean, especially in the dog days of the season, you know, you're not going to have – you're not going to – I mean, these guys can't go four or five innings and then you got to yank them. Um, they're going to have to go, know you know, you six, seven. They're going to have to go long yeah. uh, during games. I mean, you can't have guys going only four or five. I mean, that's just not going to work. Um, you know, especially later on in the season when, um, you know, you're in a playoff race or, you know, you're playing, you know, a bunch of division games and that you need to win. Um, you know, you're going to need, you know, length from your starters for sure. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to have guys like Chris Sale and Paxton come back, maybe again, like Brian Bayo, uh, come up and uh, step forward and really add to a lot to our, uh, you know, rotation or bullpen, depending on, you know, what role they want to have right. them in. Uh, Frank Herman is another guy that's uh, been really pitching well for us down in the minor leagues. Another guy the Yankees just gave us for free in, in uh, the Ottavino <laughs> trade. They just love giving us pitchers for free. I, I'm not going to stop complaining about it. Give us as many free pitchers as you want. Caleb um, uh, Board's also not too bad either, by the way. Yep. Um, but uh, at least, you know, um, we're going to – hopefully have reinforcements on the way. Yeah. It's not like some of those years where, you know, uh, the wheels start falling off early and there's no lifeline. You, we can just uh, tread water until some of these pieces right. fall together and uh, we can extend Whitlock uh, more into, you know, multi-inning role uh, from where he is now. So uh, I, I don't, I'm not pressing the panic button by any means yet, but you know, there is improvements that yeah. uh, to be done i guess the one thing that i'll say is you know i know we're all excited for you know paxton and, and sale those are the two big names that are you know still yet to pitch they're coming off injury but we'll see them later on this season but you know i know everyone's saying oh we're gonna get those two back you know obviously those are two guys like i said they're coming back from injury how confident are you got are you guys like in that they're gonna when they when they come back they're going to, you know, be able to pitch well um, and they're going to really, you know, provide that depth for this team because like, you know, they're coming back from injury. So it's not like you'll be able to rely on them heavily, um, you know, in the beginning, maybe later on as, you know, as they get their feet wet, um, you know, with a, with a few starts. But, you know, right off the bat, those are guys that are probably not 
Um, you know, they, they might not be able to go long into games, you know, just because they're, you know, they're coming back from injury, you know, Paxton and, um, and then sale too, who's, who's also been injury prone. So how long really, you know, are you going to have them? You know, if God, God forbid nothing happens, but you know, you never know with Chris sale. No, you, you, you don't. And, and obviously a lot of these guys have injury histories, injury issues, but I, I, I gotta be honest. Like I'm not, I'm not all that worried yet. Like I think. I know it's been really frustrating to watch and I know it's been like frustrating baseball and like regardless of if they had sale or Paxton coming back or, you know, whoever, if, if, I mean, JD, he'll, he'll be back soon. I know obviously he hasn't played since what the Toronto series first game in Toronto series. Yeah. And he will be making the trip up to uh, Toronto, which, you know, yeah. was a little iffy for a minute right. there. Yeah. But, yeah. So, so, I mean, I'm not that worried. I mean, honestly, the biggest issue coming into the season was the bullpen. And, like, the bullpen's been decent. Obviously, yeah. you know, Ryan Brazier can get fucking God the ass. <sighs> and then, you know, you have um, Salomore is okay. I mean, a lot. I, I see a lot of Salomore hate. I'm not quite there yet. I think he, he's not. I, he's never in a high leverage situation for me to hate him. So like, yeah, I think you I'm, know he'll he'll get you some bridge innings, and you need guys like that. I'm not expecting him to be, you know, a back end guy for us. But like, if he can, you know, keep us in games, that's all you you need Salomora to do. Yeah, I think I'm fine with Salomora. Like I'm neutral on him. I'm neutral on Cutter Crawford. I think I was a little high on Cutter Crawford early. Now I'm like neutral. Like I think maybe like Big Fudge, um, Ryan Brazier. You know, like that 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 demographic. Maybe that's like the the very very like low end of the bullpen. But dude, Captain Phillips has been great. He has been good. Lace. Yeah, yeah, has been fantastic. Obviously, we know Garrett Whitlock. You know. I, I wouldn't wouldn't say if like you fully characterize him as a bullpen pitcher at this point because he did make a start, but if he is like then yeah. you know you have you know four or five guys that you really like, Diekman, Robles, Whitlock, Captain Phillips. You know you have some options there. You got it's been good honestly. It, like that's that was the number one concern. If the bullpen can be good this year, the Red Sox will will make the playoffs. They will make the playoffs 100%. They are too good of a team not to. It's physically impossible unless they have some severe injuries or something like that. If the bullpen's good. If it's bad, then I think it could. it's like 50-50. Right. But they don't need to be great. They just need to be good. Right. Which they have been. They haven't been, they haven't been bad, really. Um, I mean, like you mentioned, Brazier, um, you know, Austin Davis. Obviously, Matt Barnes has had his struggles. Um you know, except, you know, he got the big out against Wander Franco. He did get the big um, out. In that second oh, game, that. so that was good. That Unclench was, I mean, your buttholes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think everybody was waiting for something real bad to happen um, with, with Franco, um, you know, up, up to bat, and, and, and Matt Barnes facing him for that final out. I mean, that was, um, like you said, Jack, you had your, your, your ass was pretty tight for sure yeah. um, oh, when that was happening. But, uh, yeah, exactly. But um, I mean that was I mean that was promising. Hopefully that you know boosts his confidence going forward a little bit that he was in a high leverage situation against uh, you know Wander Franco and he was able to get that out. Um, but yeah, no, I mean they have they've been good. They've been solid so far. They haven't been bad, um, which is what you want. Um, I think 
I guess really the more concerning part has been more of the starters, you know, like, you know, Pavetta, he's had his struggles and, and Hills had his struggles early on, even though he pitched pretty well today, but the bullpen definitely hasn't been uh, too big of an issue uh, so far. No. Yeah. And even on uh, Saturday night, we, we were all kind of busy. We weren't able to like live tweet the game or anything. You know, uh, Robles does give up that uh, walk-off home run to Kiermaier, but he's been used so much. He was used for an inning plus the night before, and uh, you had that uh, Trevor Story error that, you know, could have gone to Bobby Dahlbeck as well. Um, kind of, you know, opened up the door for more extended innings there, but um it's hard to blame Robles when he's has been, you know, one of your best pitchers down the stretch here. Um, and, you know, the bullpen, like we've been saying, has been all around pretty good. And, you know, if, you know, down the line, like a guy like Pavetta or Hauk or even, you know, Waka maybe need to, to uh, pitch out of the bullpen uh, late September, early October, late October, hopefully, um, they're still able to uh, do that. So there's flexibility. I like the depth, uh, even, you know, um, though it's been tested a little bit earlier on this year. But uh, that that's one thing, you know, uh, I think a lot of fans have been complaining about that I don't really find justified. No, not at, not at this point. I mean, down the line, if now you have, you know, Robles consistently being untrustworthy and then you have like Diekman being untrustworthy. Now you got like two guys that you hung your hat on early in the season who obviously don't have it and you need to go out and find a replacement. But that certainly is not the case. And it doesn't look like it's going to be the case. Both of these guys not only have had good results on paper, but they look like they're throwing very, very well. So I expect that to continue. I mean, I don't see any reason. I mean, the only thing I could see maybe changing is like Matt Barnes could reemerge. Last year he was throwing 98, and he came out of the bullpen after um, the bases were loaded the first game, and he was throwing 92. And it was like maybe maybe he's just lost it. He, he just like he could just be lost. He just could have lost it. Like I, I don't understand exactly what happened to Matt Barnes. Could be mental, could be physical, but he's certainly not a closer at this point. He just doesn't have the stuff no. to be an actual closer. But last year, he certainly did. It wasn't like it, again, it wasn't luck. It wasn't just a couple of good bounces, and it wasn't just like a hot streak. It was he had the stuff. He was legit. No, he was good. He was yeah. good. I don't even think uh, Matt Barnes would be able to tell you what happened, to be completely honest. I mean, it's just one of those things. Sometimes, you know, it's either mechanical, maybe it's mental. I honestly think it's more of just something that might have even happened to him after he had COVID for a bit. But uh, he just does not look the same. No, he does not look the same. He does not look the same. But again, that the, the bullpen's been a positive. It's been it's been mostly it's come down to. The offense stringing together yeah. a full game, like a full good game. Like they've had, you know, they've hit early, maybe jumped out to a two nothing lead, maybe got a few runs early in the game, and then went completely cold. Or it's been like, you know, maybe they've they've made a little run toward the end. And yeah. they, you know, they had that game against the um, what was it, the Twins when they they won what they uh, I would think it was an eight one final. Um, where a bunch of those runs came at the end of the game, but not so much in the beginning of the game. So, like you said, LeBeau, we're still looking for that consistent, you know, 
one through nine, that 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 first inning through ninth inning where the offense is consistently hitting, putting runs on the board, and not just either right at the top or right at the end of the game where you're putting in runs. Yeah, and I mean the best the best played baseball games are the games where you score like six or seven runs, and that means you hit well, that means you pitched well, and that means you played defense. Like that's your sweet spot there. Like if you can't win with six or seven, then you're not gonna you're not gonna be competitive in October. If you right. need ten, you know, or nine or, or or whatever to win every single night, then you're not gonna be competitive in October because that means you didn't pitch and play defense well enough. If you need if you win like one nothing in two to one games, like you know, I mean, then you're not gonna compete. So. You just you gotta be, find that sweet spot. They gotta they gotta put together a a, a couple solid nine inning games. You know, couple yeah. runs early in the game, maybe one in the middle, and then a couple late, and then all of a sudden you find yourself up six right. to two late, and you don't need. It's not a high leverage situation. Maybe the tying right. run comes to the plate or something like that. Like, you know, if the bases are loaded, but it's not like you you think you're gonna blow it. And, you know, not to be scoreboard watching too much earlier on in the season. It really doesn't matter too much in uh, April or even May. But it's not like anybody's running away with the division. Blue Jays have the lead with 10 and 6 or something like that. So it's not like, you know, someone's going on a run. You're already five games out. We're still very much in this. You know, in a week, the standards are going to be completely flip-flopped, except for the Orioles at the bottom. Um, Yeah. But... Yeah, outside of that, I mean, like, you know, this division is just going to kind of be played uh, week by week, day by day uh, for the entire year. So as long as, you know, we're able to continue to win games, not fall into, you know, uh, multi-game, multi-week slump, uh, this team's going to still really be in the thick of it uh, for the entire year. Yeah, I mean, you got the Orioles coming up, got to bounce back. You got Toronto next. That'll be a tough series in Toronto. I mean, they'll be jumping over there north of the border. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, one guy uh, one guy that I definitely want to give props to has been uh, Trevor Story. Obviously, he made a hell of a play to end the game on Saturday night. Um, it seems like he's kind of starting to find a little bit of his groove. Um, you know, obviously, you know, um, he came on board late, so wasn't able to have a full spring training with the Sox. And, um, you know, he struggled a little bit early on those first couple of series. But it looks like now he's starting to find his footing a little bit. So, um, you know, hopefully that's a, you know, that's a positive sign. And, you know, he starts, you know, becoming more of the Trevor story that we're used to seeing, um, you know, from his days in Colorado. Um, so obviously, you know, positive signs from Trevor story, you know, yeah. uh, you know, this past week for sure. No, I like, I, I, I mean, yeah, he's been fine. And, and honestly, he, um, he, he made the great play Friday night, then the game Saturday night, he made a great defensive stop to what should have ended the game or ended the game rather. I mean, I, listen, you got to make a good throw. And I know, I know the, always the blame goes to the guy throwing the baseball, but Bobby Dahlbeck was on the complete opposite side of the bag. I mean, he, he you would have thought maybe he was covering home plate. I mean, they the first thing they teach you is, for one, stand in the middle of the bag and then step toward the baseball. He was covering the inside of the bag and – of course, a throw that's up the line, you're never going to be able to like reach and get that. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, though, that's kind of nitpicky, right? Like Trevor Story, you got to make a good throw there, but he also made a good stop, so it's hard to blame him too. 
I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's a tough situation. Yeah, no, I mean, Trevor Story is finally, you know, uh, kind of really showing his excellence at second base. Now I think we've seen, you know, uh, a, a really a big improvement over what we've uh, seen over the last few years. But yeah. I think, you know, even with a few more weeks, we're really going to see him steady out a little bit more. You see the athleticism 100% out there, and it's going to play excellent. Uh, he might even be a gold glove candidate, if not win it by the end of the year. And I think the only yeah. thing that's really missing for him at this point is that first Red Sox home run. Uh, you know, maybe some home cooking. Uh, or maybe at Camden Yards or even in the Toronto Center. Just get that first one out of the way, you know, uh, and just start raking after that. That's right. I mean, yeah, if the season ended today, which it doesn't, so, you know, <laughs> take, this with, take this with a grain of salt. But I think he'd be like a, like a one or two guy for second base gold club. Like, he's been really good there. And he, obviously, this is his first year playing that position so give him a lot of props him and bogarts look like an awesome up the middle that's um, a great tandem yeah, let, yeah. Let, let's make it last for a while and uh, also keep that guy at third base too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah good doesn't look good that's yeah. a whole nother podcast that, hey yeah i think you know uh, <laughs> we could spend a whole nother hour uh, just talking yeah. about that uh, we are we already yeah. spent most of the show talking about Donald so we don't need to bring up the red sox yeah. also shortcomings for devers and uh bogey yeah. uh while we we still have an entire season to worry about here yeah, yeah. sure i we, guess we one are... thing that we sorry yeah, go, go ahead man. no go ahead no. shut up <laughs> okay <laughs> i'll shut up now um, I guess uh, one thing that we wanted to talk about, obviously, that happened yesterday um, within the division is mm-hmm. we always oh. have to touch upon these guys. They're the they're the one team where you look at and it's like, don't when your parents used to say, you know, don't be like that guy. They were talking about the Yankees. They were talking about the Yankees. Yep. These rats are at it again. <laughs> We've seen it before. We saw it last year with the Verdugo incident. We're seeing it again with the Guardians yesterday. I mean, these guys just don't stop at all. They do not stop throwing literal trash onto the field at Yankee Stadium. Scumbags. Yeah, and and real real quick, I love hooliganism more than anyone. Like, you know, like, you love mucking it up more than. You yeah, know, just as I, much as the next guy. I, I, dude, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love making, you know, maybe like away fans feel really uncomfortable sometimes, especially like, like, all right, if it's a regular season game, like just let them enjoy the, like they came, you know, whatever, far away, let them enjoy their time. I'm not going to chirp someone except that fucking douchebag that was wearing a Yankees hat. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the Mucina. That kid can fucking jump on the tracks of the green line. But like, other than that, like, you know, I I love that. I I appreciate that. But this is just this is just way too far and not necessary whatsoever. And obviously, I don't know the whole story. I don't know the whole context. But dude, like, give me a break. You're gonna like it's a game in April. Okay, you hit a walk off double against Cleveland in April, and <laughs> you're gonna respond by throwing stuff at a player. Like that's insane to me. Insane. Yeah, so apparently what happened was, you know, uh, 
Quan was injured somewhat uh, for the game time double from IFK or however the fuck you say his name. I'm not even gonna bother. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but and then after that, the Yankees fans were cheering. Sir uh, Miles Straw, you know, was just like, "Hey, go fuck yourselves!" Climbing the wall like Spider-Man over there. <laughs> I love and, uh, that. I love that movie. Yeah, it was a- absolutely fantastic scene. Like, you know, you could put it in the fucking Louvre. But you know, after that, the fans just started throwing, you know, their fifteen-dollar Bud Lights uh, onto the field and other trash and. Honestly, like, if I'm a Yankees fan, I'm completely embarrassed by this. Like, it's just, you know, you wish you could say it's the first time it happened. It is not. It even happened during the 04 ALCS. But to have it during an April game against Cleveland is just a really bad sign of how the rest of the year is going to go. Yeah, and, and, and like, you're going to sit here and tell me like you look at that crowd and tell me that Red Sox fans are the racist ones. Like I guarantee you the amount of like racist taunts that were, have been thrown around in those bleachers over the years at Yankee stadium is just, it's probably not even measurable with any sort of scale or counting device whatsoever calculator, any of it. And like, I understand you know, Red Sox fans, I'm sure there's been some incidences and I'm sure it's been legitimate. Um, but, dude, like Yankee, I, I see Yankee fans in like dimensions being like, oh, well, Red Sox fans are racist. Like, dude, you're going you're gonna to sit there and tell me like they're not being racist. They're, like, really? Yeah, clean your they're, own closet first. Yeah, for real. Like, just because. All right. Just because just because Red Sox fans aren't throwing stuff. Like, doesn't mean like, oh, well, yeah, well, Red Sox fans don't throw stuff, but they're racist. Yeah. Like, dude, you're throwing stuff and you're racist. Like, give me a fucking break. Yeah, I mean, they asked Miles Straw, um, you know, he he had some comments to say after the game calling, you know, Yankee fans classless. Um, and then he said they are the, quote, worst fan base on the planet, which is that true? Wrong. I didn't even see that. Is that? Yeah, he said that. yeah, yeah he no, he said it. And he's he actually said correct that. for saying it. He no, and he is right, and that's absolutely correct. But wow, that's ballsy! Like you, you never see a guy say, especially against the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees, you know, the Yankees are the Yankees. You never really see some, you know, players really call out, you know, uh, you know, a fan base like you know, Yankee fan base, you know, saying that you know they are classless and the worst fan base on the planet and, and honestly like you never know where your career is going to take you so like you're yeah you're like that's bold to just completely burn that bridge at the same time though like his chances of down the line at some point being picked up by the red sox increased by like like a hundred percent and like the blue jays like the red sox it, it, it's cleveland too so it's like they're not gonna hold on to this guy forever right like as soon as he is almost hitting free agency they're gonna trade him and the red sox could use an outfielder at some point right and like his chances of going to the red sox like increased massively i think massively. he's on heim's radar right now for sure he yeah he is <sighs> Awesome. I have no idea what his actual numbers are, but I want him so badly. No, I yeah. just say like, the, like I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> yeah, nah, he's he's got to be fine. But I mean, I think any Red Sox fan wants a guy like that, like Miles Straw, where 
you oh, know, yeah. you just completely call out the Yankee fans and just call them basically trash. They are. <laughs> that, they are trash. They are, right. Right, that they are. And, and even exactly. uh, like John Sterling, like, those aren't Yankees fans. Those are hooligans. They are literally Yankees fans. They're yeah. wearing Yankees caps, cheering <laughs> against the other team. These are your fans. I will, you know, like, unfortunately, we have to accept, you know, like, the, the shitty Red Sox fans, too. But you have to accept the shitty fans that you have. They're Just because they're throwing trash on the field doesn't mean they're Yankee fans. These are literal Yankees fans. They bought tickets to the game and are cheering for the Yankees. They're fans of the team. John, do you see that jersey and the gold chain <laughs> poking out of it? And that is a Yankee beater. fan. Yeah, do you see that white beater? <laughs> do you uh, see those new City Connect jerseys? Yeah. That is a Yankee fan. Yeah, uh, trash, so yeah, trash just, fan base, trash organization. Just to answer your question, Jack, uh, Miles Straw currently has a 296 batting average. 370 slugging, 767 OPS through 14 games. Um, so that's what he's doing right now. Yeah, I'll give him a billion dollars. <laughs> Throw the bag at him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, I guess just to wrap things up now, um, you know, we got a big, uh, obviously a big series against, um, you know, the Blue Jays in Toronto. Um, we will have J.D. Martinez, like we mentioned. So, um, you know, he's obviously able to uh, to cross the border. Um, won't have Hauk. Um, but again, it's, it's you know, the Rogers Center, you know, that, that place will be rowdy. Um, you know, Red Sox, Blue Jays this week. So that'll be, in, uh, you know, uh, a great, great series for sure. Um, and a big series yeah. too. So, you know. And another thing, obviously, like, with the chance of getting stuck in Canada, like if you're not 100% healthy, then there's no sense in making the trip. Because why risk going there if you're not like completely healthy? So that JD going must mean he's 100% healthy. Because why would you risk getting stuck there for like 10? What is it? Like how long? If you test positive, how long do you have to stay there? Like what? Like 10 days or something like that? 10 days. I think it's Canada, a, yeah. Yeah. It's so, five days for America, but uh, we'll even see, you know, with guys like Plowecki and Alex Cora, if they're even able to make the trip. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. I, I mean, in terms of, like, J.D., though, like, he's got to be, like, they got to plan on him playing two games, if or else he would not be coming. That just doesn't make any sense. So that's good news, right? JD's back. I mean, that's what they need. Oh, they need a little offensive boost. They need a little offensive veteran, someone who can drive in runs because it's runners in scoring position. You know, the bullpen's been good. Starting pitching's been fine, serviceable. Obviously, I'm not saying it's great, but it's fine. And it's just about timely hitting and, and driving in runs. That's all. That's it. No, uh, 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 hopefully, you know, you can go out with the series when it's what, a four-game series against Toronto, Monday through Thursday, with the uh, last game being a day game, right? Yes. Then after that, you have the Orioles, you have the Angels, you have the White Sox who are looking pretty good, but uh, you'll finally be out of the AL East hair, it feels like, for a bit. Right, exactly, which will be uh, good. But it'll be a big series, obviously, Um, you know, at Toronto, at Camden. Camden with the new, uh, you know, pushing back the fences there, so... A little bit of a different look at Camden, but always a great ballpark to watch a game at. Um, so uh, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be good here. Um, you know, a couple series on the road, and then you know we'll be back home soon enough. Yeah. Go Sox! 
Go Sox. Yes. Yeah. Mookie Betts is cooked. Uh, we won the Verdugo trade. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I don't think we need to elaborate. He's I, so I, I just want to throw that out. Yeah. He's watched. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I'm but, in uh, the corner watching you kiss her. Whoa.